outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on Seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 304. And today, we're back for another one of our Rut Fresh Radio episodes, in which we are getting hot off the press intel from all across the country, from different hunters, about what's happening in the woods right now. All right, welcome to the Wired Hunt Podcast, brought to you by Onyx. We are back for another Rut Fresh Radio episode, in which Spencer and I are going to be talking just a little bit here on the front end about what's going on in our whitetail world, and then we'll be chatting with deer hunters all across the country to find out what is happening, what kind of activities out there, how are the current conditions impacting deer movement, what kind of tactics and ideas could be working right now, and all the above. So, uh, Spencer, we, well, I should say you, you chatted with those folks. Um, Do we get some good recent intel? We did, and uh, this is probably my favorite time of year for the podcast because, like, the intel that you get over these next three weeks is maybe the most valuable, I think, because... Although it's fun to hear guys say that activity, you know, that first week of November is like a 9 out of 10, um, you get everything else across the board from like now, October 1 through kind of October 15th. It's it's maybe the least predictable time of year, and so I think this is maybe when the intel is the most valuable. Um, And from the guys that we talked to this week, everybody kind of discussed that it was poor deer movement this past weekend, but... They are optimistic for really good deer movement this coming weekend, and that mostly has to do with the approaching cold front. Most of the Midwest and the Northeast has a large cold front on the way that looks like it's supposed to set in on Friday and kind of hang around through Sunday. And last year, Mark, if you recall, we had sort of this same conversation this same exact time that first weekend of October, and it seemed like, although anecdotal, uh, people were killing a ton of deer and social media was lighting up with big bucks that were killed maybe at a time that you don't normally expect that yeah it's true that the cold front i know you sometimes are skeptical of it but uh man time and time again whether it's the placebo effect or real 
it certainly seems to help a lot of hunters. But uh, I've got a hot tip for you tonight, uh, something a little bit contradictory to the usual report about cold fronts. Do you want to hear the latest and greatest, the very first update on my 2019 Michigan hunting season? Yeah, because as we talk about this, today was Michigan's opener, right? Yeah, opening day here in Michigan. And a cold front ruined my first night of hunting season. Ruined it, Spencer. Because here's the deal. It's opening night. I have hunted opening night in Michigan every single year for years and years and years. At least, I can't remember the last year. I think I might have missed opening day when I was working in California, just out of college. But since then, so at least the last 10 years, I've hunted opening night every single time. I think I, I, think I know where this is going. <laughs> Don't steal my thunder, Spencer. Don't steal my thunder. I saw the forecast, and I saw that opening day was going to be hot, 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 super humid, muggy, crappy. It's like mid-80s, really warm today. And then tomorrow, though, by the time the evening time rolls around, it's going to be more than 20 degrees cooler by tomorrow night. And I thought to myself, wow, I could hunt the first night like I usually do, but I'm not feeling very good about that really warm weather, and the next day and the following couple days after that are going to be so great with this cold front running through. I don't have any kind of really great recent intel that tells me that the buck I'm after on my main farm is moving in daylight yet, so why don't I watch? Why don't, for the first night ever, I'm just going to sit back and observe opening night. I'm going to scout. I'm going to get better informed, and then with a cold front coming through, I will sneak in, hunt one of my better spots the first, you know, October 2nd and 3rd. That was my game plan going into this. Okay, and did this warm weather just save a deer's life? <laughs> so there's a, there's one deer, and there's one deer only, Spencer, that I'm interested in killing on my main Michigan property. That's a buck I call Tran. He's a buck I passed on last year. He is a buck that showed back up this summer, just an absolute stud, four-year-old, really tall, tight, mega eight-pointer, just like... I'm smitten, absolutely smitten with this deer. So badly want to see him. I had a bunch of encounters with him last year, lots of intel on him. Um, just excited to hunt him this year. So I got set up near the road on a hillside where I could look way down this property, down a power line, where I can see two different little food plots I have planted and several different areas where deer cross between two chunks of timber. So I thought, all right, this will allow me to see all the way to the back. And the back of the farm is where this deer usually is the most active. Um, so I can see that. Even though it's warm and I wasn't really expecting to see much, I thought, well, I'll just I'll observe, see what's going to happen. Maybe he'll step out at last light way in the back, and at least I'll know when that cold front comes by tomorrow night that back spot's you know the spot to be. Well, fast forward as the evening progresses, I see some does, more does, more does, more does gets just about last light and I'm about to pack it in and head out and I see a big body in the front and I pull up my binoculars and I pull up my spotting scope and out steps Tran and he walks within 10 yards of the stand that I've hunted on opening night the last three years walked right by the spot I would have hunted tonight if I was going to hunt 
just, I mean, just as pretty as you could ever ask for. Sat there feeding on some clover, putzing around with at least five minutes, maybe ten, lit, ten minutes of shooting light left. Um, and I was sitting 250 yards away watching. And a tiny part of my soul died tonight, Spencer. Have you ever killed a deer on opening night? That's that's one question. Another question is how confident are you that he's going to be there one of these next like three days? And then the other question is, is the wind going to participate for you to go kill that deer? Yeah, so question number one, have I ever killed an opening night buck? Yes, I actually killed an opening night buck four or five years ago from this exact tree stand that Tran walked by tonight. It's like my it's my favorite little spot for opening night because it's a great early season food source. It's tight to good bedding. I can get into it pretty easily without blowing up the farm. It's it's near the front of the property, but it's it's good even though it's low impact. So it's just a really nice balance. Um, so I've hunted at opening night quite a few nights. Um, killed a buck a few years ago. Saw Holyfield one year, another year. So it's it's a high odd spot, but uh, but you know tonight decided to save it save it one day, and so that leads me to question number two, which is will the will the wind work? Right, that's what you're gonna ask. Um, and tonight, now this is the only thing that makes me feel slightly better about the situation. Tonight we had like a west southwest wind, and if I'd hunted that tree tonight, based off the direction he came from. He came from the south, or at least he entered the he entered my line of sight south of that tree stand. So I might have got away with it, but with that west southwest wind, if he was coming from the west and south, he and based off of my previous year's worth of intel with him, I think he beds pretty far to the east and south of this tree stand. So I think he would have had to be moving into that wind, unless he unless he came from due south. I I don't know, but it was there could have been a chance that if I sat there tonight, he would have winded me, and maybe he wouldn't have actually showed up there at all. Now, the good news is I saw him tonight. I saw him come out to that food source in daylight, and because of that, it changes what my plan would have been for tomorrow's hunt otherwise. I was thinking I was going to have to hunt near the back of the farm, and I thought because he'd been in the back quite so often last year, and conditions looked good, I was going to push back there and try to hunt for him. But now he's in the front, and I've got the perfect wind for the front of the farm tomorrow. Perfect. So it's still northerly-ish, um, which would give him, well, what was it when today? It was, it was west, west, it was west, southwest, I think. So tomorrow's a little more easterly. So it's, so he maybe he won't come out because the wind's not as much in his favor. But the wind's better for me tomorrow, I guess. So that'll be interesting to see if he moved the way he did because the wind was working for him. And if tomorrow the wind's not going to be as much in favor. He'll still, based off where he is, he'll still have a northerly-ish wind, which will be into his face from where I typically think he beds. Um, so I'm not sure what will happen. But he didn't get pressured, right? I saw him moving comfortably tonight. Um, I snuck out of there without spooking any deer. So I feel confident that with a good wind where I do not think I'll get winded, I know I can get in there without spooking deer. I know it's a hot food source. And I know that tomorrow evening, it will, well, tonight it was in the mid-80s. Tomorrow evening, it's going to be like high 50s, low 60s by the time that prime time gets there. So, And it's going to be lightly raining throughout the day and just petering out during prime time. So it should be a dynamite sit. Um, so I'm very excited. Like 
frustrated, a little frustrated by tonight that I wasn't able to be sitting there when he walked by, but also very excited for tomorrow. Like this is one of those nights where I'm going to be sitting up, texting my buddies all night, looking at maps, thinking about tomorrow. Tomorrow is going to be that. Do you ever have those days? I have these every year where just the conditions seem perfect. You feel like you're going in for a kill sit. Like you're just kind of tingly all day with anticipation. I, I have that now. And there's nothing I enjoy more during hunting season when you are leading up to one of those kill nights where it just feels like this should happen. Well, I like that you're calling your shot. But yeah, like the, the feeling that you're describing, that's pretty rare for October 2nd, I think. So, I, like, I like where you're at because I don't know your schedule or when you leave from Minnesota, but there's maybe not much that's stopping you from, like, hunting this spot when the conditions are right, like, while he's still on this pattern. So, it seems like it's going to work out. You know, I, I don't want to go so far as to say that. I'm going to cross all my fingers and toes. I'm going to knock on wood because, you know, right, the odds are probably that he won't show up again. But I feel better today than I would have this morning. You know, now that I know he was there, there's a good chance he might be back again. I, d I hadn't gotten pictures or seen him since September 14th before this. And that was the day of, I think that was the day before our youth season in Michigan. So I didn't even know if he made it through youth season. So now I know at least he made it to opening day. He's still here. He was moving in daylight and on a hot day. So that makes me think that, dang, once we get a good cold day tomorrow and the next day, um, it sure feels good. So if nothing else, I'll be going into it confident and excited. And that's, that's a good thing on its own. Is there anything that like threatens to push him off this pattern in the Midwest, this time of year, there's a lot of things that can kind of cause the deck to be reshuffled, like uh, some kind of crop being harvested or some sort of other season opening. If you hunt in a wet area and duck season opens, or if you hunt in a CRP area and bird or like an upland season opens, those things can kind of reshuffle the deck. Is there anything like that that threatens this buck from changing what he's doing? I don't think he's necessarily... I wouldn't go so far as to think that he's on like a hard pattern, right? Because I've been able to watch this little area a decent amount over the last couple of weeks. And this is the first time I've seen him come back out there. Um, like I saw him in this general area a couple times during the summer. I've gotten a handful of pictures of him at the back of the farm. And now for the first time in weeks, I saw him back at the front. So I'm not going to go and be so confident to think that this, he's going to keep doing this over and over. I think there's a decent chance he might do it again tomorrow simply because he did tonight. But, you know, he just as well could be back on the back of the farm somewhere, too. I think crops could be harvested. Uh, you know, the beans are still not fully dried down on this property. So I don't expect that to happen anytime soon. The corn's got a long ways to go. So that won't be anything that'll impact me probably till November. Um, you know, if acorns were going to be an impact in, impacting issue, they would be already. I know there's some acorns hitting the ground around here. I'm sure he's feeding on those at times, but you know, he's he's gonna hit the ice cream on occasion. So I can hunt the edges of these cornfields. He can hunt. I can hunt these couple little small food plots with green food sources that I know he's gonna hit on occasion. Um, and so I'm just going to play it safe, hit the edges of things a couple times here early while the conditions are good. And then I'll be out and I've got that Minnesota hunt and I've got other hunts going on. I'll be hunting the back 40. Um, and then we'll get back after him in late October and hopefully the testosterone will be picking up. Well, hopefully he'll be dead tomorrow night, but if not, <laughs> then I'll be thinking late October and, or if a big cold front comes through or something. So 
the cold front theme that will be talked about by all the guests is definitely on my mind. It's definitely um, already impacted my season. Hopefully it'll influence it for good here in the next day or two as I'm going to get a little bit more aggressive than maybe I do in past years. I'll, I'll hunt the front, but I might push into the back the day after that or the day after that, depending on what I see and how things go. So I'm going to try to take advantage of this weather. Well, besides your report from Michigan, we also hear from Byron Horton from Whitetail Experience in Ohio, and then John Arman in North Dakota from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV, and then we talk to Josh Genthy from Cut 4 Outdoors in North Carolina, and then we go to Nebraska and talk to Bryce Lamley. Well, I can tell you're sweating already that I've been blabbering on for 15 minutes, cutting into the normal, nice, short and sweet Spencer podcast. So should we get to the interviews? Yes. We'll uh, talk to you next week, Mark. All right. I'm going to do my best to have good news. Before we move on, though, I want to tell you about all the new content over at TheMeatEater.com that's available right now. If you head over there, you're going to find episode one of The Back 40, where Mark and Steve investigate Mark's new Michigan property. And you're also going to find episode three of How to Kill a Buck, where Mark, Tony Peterson, and I break down early October tactics and also look at the back 40 property in Michigan and e-scout that property, talking about how we would approach hunting that ground this time of year. While you're there, sign up for our new Whitetail Weekly newsletter. It has our latest and greatest Whitetail content from Mark and I comes out on Mondays and it'll be hitting your inbox every single week. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time, Seafoam Motor Treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that Seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. And it's really simple. When you pour it into your gas tank, Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can into your gas tank and let it do its job. Now, you probably know someone who's used a can of Seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. Because people everywhere rely on it to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. So, help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself, and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. All right, and joining us on the line now is Byron Horton from the Whitetail Experience in Ohio. Now, Byron, in Ohio, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Oh, I got to go with a 2 out of 10 here this last week. We've had major uh, warm temperatures, and that is just not working for us. 
have you seen any sign making start to show up yet in Ohio? Yeah, I would say uh, at least from the scouting, I did a lot of a lot of scouting. I feel like uh, this past weekend and noticed like in certain areas that there is a concentration of bucks time, and then there's gaps where there is no concentration of bucks time. I think the key is now finding those those areas. Uh, I noticed like seven rubs within a 50 yard area, right on the edge of this bedding area, and then walked for the next half mile and came across zero buck signs. So. I definitely think if you can find it, that that's where they're they're holding up this time of year. What is your scouting strategy when you're in season like this? So if it's a morning hunt and the sun comes up and I have zero confidence, I am getting down the first 45 minutes or, or an hour. I'm not going to wait. Um, generally, I go into to pre-scouted bedding type areas um, that that I've scouted in, in the winter. But then it is it is covering ground and kind of I've used on X and March. Uh, known bedding areas and so that gives me like a blueprint so i am just trying to tiptoe in and around them um at a distance but pick up buck sign that might be leading back some of these bedding areas uh some of these oh kind of second tier spots on the public land that all i need is to know a good track or a couple good rubs leading one night and hopefully i can then dive in and make the game plan on and, and figure out what's going on in there do you find it difficult to avoid public land pressure on opening weekend? Oh, yeah. Saturday morning, in fact, we uh, we, we were not alone in the parking lot. And uh, I pulled in, kind of had to make a judgment call on if I thought these guys were, were, were oh, Dickie Moe's or, or, or legit guys. And they had no stand sticks, no headlamps. So it was more of I'm not worried about these guys going very far, doing anything really to to, to, to kill a big buck in this area so I stayed, stayed put and went and hunted that same piece and, um, it is something that we definitely know and no the squirrel blasters are something you gotta take account for here on the public pieces uh, avoiding stuff like hickory grows and, and, and walnuts um, the, those guys tend to be in those areas and, and they'll, they'll hike just as far as you will because all they gotta do is carry a 22 What food source are you concerned with this time of year have, have acorns started hitting the ground yet yeah, and here it's 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 a, a, a the acorn crop isn't isn't as big as what it has been the last two to three years. So to me, that's good. That means if you can find uh, the white oak that's dropping, it's 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 the the money source. I also see a, a decent amount of like meadows and browse being like a popular item since all the beans have turned and, and are pretty much dry at this point. You mentioned before that the hot weather made for really poor deer movement. Does that mean you're getting really aggressive when we do get those cold fronts this early in the season? Yeah, yeah. I kind of have the philosophy that if you believe a buck's in there, you know that at least on the public you're going to be fighting other hunters. So if it's a cold front, why not get aggressive? And then I also have the philosophy that, oh, my in-season scouting, I can go find another buck that kind of hits what I'm looking for out there. It's a long so if I, if I bugger something up, I'm not just solely chasing one deer. I think uh, at least with where I'm at and what I'm doing, I'm not chasing that one particular giant. As someone who mostly does mobile setups, is there anything with your mobile setup that changes between now and the rut? Yeah, I would say right now I'm actually taking four mini sticks because I'm not, you know, with, with canopy coverage, I'm not getting up as high. Um, I'm also not hunting the big woods, so I'm not taking the full length at this point in time and then uh as far as packing in i don't have to bring any layers uh i just have to bring my camera gear 
and just a few minimalist things. So running gun hunting, I feel like in October is, is definitely just easier. You're less bulky and, and you have just less items. Going forward then in the next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Ohio? I really think uh, we got this first cold front, 20-degree temp drops coming Friday, some systems pushing through, and it's going to stay cold for a couple days. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it an 8. I, I truly think if you're going to kill an early season buck, um, this is this. we'll see some big bucks here in Ohio hit the ground this weekend, 100%. I like your optimism. Thanks for your time, Byron, and good luck. Absolutely, Spencer. Thanks for having me on. All right, and joining us on the line next is John Arman in North Dakota from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV. Now, John, in North Dakota, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I would say probably about a 6. We were earlier, I would say an 8, but we kind of slowed down with some of the, the moisture coming through. Now, moisture has kind of been a theme for the Great Plains this summer and this fall. How has that affected deer movement this season in North Dakota? Well, there's been, you know, for us getting out on the weekends, it seems like every weekend we're getting torrential downpours. Um, I think deer are no different than we are. They don't mind the rain, but when it's um, blowing 30 miles an hour and the wind and, and rain is going sideways, they kind of hold up. So um, we've had a, a, a few weekends where the movement's been slower, but once that weather, you know, breaks, the movement has been actually really, really good this year for us. How about the rain that we had this summer? Uh has that affected anything as far as is this going to be a late harvest in North Dakota and how will that change things? It is. It's going to be one of those. It's going to, it could change a lot of things, especially for rifle season. I think there's going to be a lot of crops that are still um, left. Um, right now we're seeing small greens. I think a lot of them haven't been taken off and they're probably not even going to get them off because they're ruined right now. Um, starting to see, you know, soybeans are starting to turn but there's still a lot of them that are still growing and still green. Um, you know, the moisture has been kind of a blessing and a curse. So I'm one that I would much rather hunt a dry condition than the wet condition. And this year we're as wet as we've ever been. You talked about the soybeans still being green there. Does that mean that's your focus right now for food sources? It is. We have a couple fields that uh, were put in at different times and the ones that are, have matured and are turning brown don't have a lot of activity and the ones that are green have 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 all the deer in them right now so we're still still hunting soybeans and hoping to to knock down a deer we we've gotten a couple opportunities early and we didn't capitalize but um, we're hoping to, to make something happen in the next week have you seen any sign making start to show up yet yes you know i was just down checking uh pulled cards the other day and a lot of uh, the rub lines, um, the scrape lines, you know, you're starting to see a lot more activity, you know, where they were just kind of, you know, pawed up a little bit. Now they're starting to get after them. Started some mock scrapes that are getting hit really hard. So I think, you know, things are starting to crank up a little bit. How concerned are you with moon phases in early and mid-October? Uh, you know, I'm one of those guys that I get to, I only get to hunt so many days. So I hunt no matter what, but there's definitely a difference. And, you know, this year when we, the opening weekend, the moon phase seemed to be perfect. And that's what I'm hoping for in the next week. I think it's going to follow the same pattern um, like the moon always does. And you're going to start to see that activity because to me, there's that three or four days out of the month that the, the movement is just crazy. And I'm hoping that's going to happen uh, in the next or so. What's your strategy this time of year for hunting those deer that like to bed out in the egg fields? 
Uh, we're, you know, we kind of know different. We hunt um, the edges of our coolies and the edges of the, um, the egg field. So we try to get them coming out, try to pattern them. You know, most of the time they're going to come out from the cornfields because they're not really feeding in the cornfields. They're going to come out, hit the alfalfa field or the soybean. So if we can see that they're bedding in those fields, those cornfields, we'll try to set up, you know, in, in the way and, and kind of get lucky and, and hopefully have one. Um, walk by us going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in north dakota well if it follows the the suit that we had opening weekend we're coming around the same moon phase and things like that it should be excellent because our our movement this year has been really really good almost crazy it seems like the deer have been out in the fields earlier and uh, been staying out longer so we're, we're hoping for a 10 out of 10 in the next week all right, John, well, good luck to you and everyone else from Ultimate Outdoor Adventures TV. Thanks for joining me. All right, buddy. Thank you very much, and good luck to you guys. All right, and joining us on the line next is Josh Genthy in North Carolina from Cut 4 Outdoors. Now, Josh, in North Carolina, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Uh, I'd probably have to give it a, probably a 4, maybe a 3, just with all the heat that we can get. I mean, the bucks really haven't been on their feet a whole lot. Uh, they just kind of kind of like that summer pattern where they don't want to be far from the food, but they ain't getting up until they absolutely have to. So probably give them a sore on that one. Now, Josh, you just um, tagged a buck uh, about a week ago in North Carolina. Tell us about that setup. Well, I had my number one stand that I'd been watching all summer. You know, I, I knew that's the trail I wanted to be in. And opening day, which was probably two weeks before. I noticed all the deer were coming out on the other side of the field, which was kind of odd, considering all the scouting I'd done and everything. A couple weeks later, the same pattern continued, so I just took a climber and went over there, got in there kind of early, had this setup where I noticed they wanted to stage in this other corner of the field, and they always worked their way down the field to this acorn tree that had just started dropping maybe a week before. And so I sat up there just waiting, and literally, he was the second deer that came out. I mean, it was a fork, a fork horn that came out, and he was right behind it, which was kind of weird because it was real early. It was probably 6 o'clock when he came out. It just kind of caught me off guard just to see him out that early in this kind of heat that we've had. You touch on that the acorns had just yeah. started falling in North Carolina. What has that acorn crop mm-hmm. been like this year? It's honestly, I've, I've never seen this many fall. Um, you know, usually... You know, you can always tell when the white oaks and stuff start falling. You can tell that they start migrating to that. But, I mean, uh, I'm finding oak, oak trees that I haven't even noticed where they are, honestly. Like, they just never dropped until now. I mean, that's played a huge role, especially this past week, because now it's it's almost like they don't even want to stage up anymore. It's like they've made their mind up where they want to go and where they want to be every evening or every night. Like, they're just they're determined to get to that oak tree late evening and stuff like that. So how does that change your strategy for hunting early to mid-October when there's so many acorns on the ground? Basically, I kind of use it the same way that I scout in the summer. I kind of do more observation sets and kind of figure out what spot in the field they want to be, they want to come out on, and then go off of that, figure out what acorn tree they want to be near, and then just kind of work my way back through there, try to find you know more of the community trails and stuff like that. So I'm trying to figure out where I can catch them in daylight now. Have you noticed any sign making start to show up in North Carolina? Um, just just a few rubs from where they said they're velvet. I, I noticed one one small scrape, but nothing crazy. 
don't have seen any significant rubs, maybe one or two at the most, but nothing really to speak of. I feel like they're just barely moving into their fall transition right now, but not really fully committed to their home ranges yet. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity mm-hmm. is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in North Carolina? Um, I feel like it's going to jump up to probably a 7 or an 8 because we got a big cold front coming through. Going from about 90 degrees, 95 averages, it's going to be a high 75. So I really feel like the bucks going to be on their feet moving because it's just going to be a change for them. And I really feel like they're going to be up and moving around. Definitely trying to get a hold of those acorns like they have been the past week. All right, Josh, well, thanks for joining me. Congrats on the great deer. Thanks, sir. All right, and joining us on the line last is Bryce Lamley from Nebraska. Now, Bryce, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Well, you know, I'm usually conservative, and, and right now I'd say 5, but it's starting to pick up. It, um, we start September 1st with both season, and September's been pretty slow for myself and a lot of the other guys, um, but it's just starting to pick up. The last week we've been um, seeing quite a few bucks that we haven't seen before show up on trail camera we're starting to see some scrapes show up nothing really you know big uh you know car hood types uh scrapes or anything like that but we're starting to see scrapes and scrape lines show up and one of my good friends from the lincoln area killed a really nice poking young grossing five by seven on september 27th and that we've had some up and down weather we've had i mean yesterday was 90 here and today at 65 it's been crazy but when the weather has cooperated um, the deer are starting to show up now bryce you have great record keeping that's one of the reasons i like talking to you you mentioned last year that you saw more sign making than you've probably ever seen in your life Uh, why do you think that was and what is your kind of scrape forecast for 2019 well i think last year was due to combination of several factors but mostly because i had beans in an area that um kind of concentrated where the bucks were all coming out in the same quarter mile to access the egg fields to a, to a bean area. And this year I don't have that. So that may have been the, the catalyst for what I saw last year. Now I'm not seeing a whole lot of scrape activity yet, but two of my friends, like I said, are, are starting to see that an uptick in that and also seeing an uptick in the trail camera pictures on those sites. And one of those friends from Hall County out by Grand Island is seeing quite a bit of sparring even on his trail cameras in traditional like staging areas with, with the scrapes and so forth. Now, most of the Great Plains were hit with a lot of flooding in this summer. I assume it's been the same for you in Nebraska. How has that changed things for you this fall? Well, I have two different places where the river literally took 10 acres of land from them. And these are bedding areas close to the river. And I've had a hard time finding those bedding areas again, but I think what's going on is they're bedding out in grassy cover, weedy cover, um, in some cases, three quarters of a mile from their original bedding areas, places that aren't being pastured with cattle, have really grown up and and are really uh, good places to hide out. And also um, places where they can get away from the mosquitoes that tend to concentrate on the timber. Now, Bryce, historically, when you see that summer flooding, do you notice that those deer kind of always return to the same area? Well, I've noticed that a lot of the scrapes are starting to show up in those same areas. And I, I tend to believe that we have, uh, I read an article this summer about, you know, how floods affect things. And that the, I guess the theme of that article said that they would return to their old areas. And so I'm kind of banking on that. And I'm just starting to see that happen a little bit now. 
how do you think all the moisture is going to affect harvest this year in Nebraska, and how is that going to change deer hunting for you? I haven't seen any crops coming out yet, except some guys that are cutting some corn, looks like for you know silage or something like that. Um, beans are pretty much uh, yellow now, some turning brown. Although a friend of mine has had really good luck in, in a corner of a field, southwest corner, where there's a low spot and it's still green on those beans. However, my buddy that's further west is, says all the beans are yellow. And in his case, they're walking through the beans going to the alfalfa. Now, Bryce, you hunt quite a bit and you can kind of pick and choose your spots when to get out there. This time of year, what are the ideal conditions you're looking for in early October? Well, I, I guess I'm still looking at, um, I like staging areas just inside the timber where I can still make a relatively secret entry and exit. Um, those staging areas where they're um, kind of killing time before they go out to the ag fields and uh, usually in the evenings. Mornings, I might go to those same places or maybe a little bit deeper, but on like lanes in the woods. So again, I can get in and out. I really don't want to booger up the woods too much this time of year. Uh, that having said that, I have killed some nice deer in, in this you know early October, first 10, 15 days. You just got to be out there. It's true about my hunting is that I hunt all the time, no matter what. And because of that, I haven't really paid a lot of attention to moon phases. However, I can tell you that there's a, a really big increase in sightings and so forth when I see um, cold weather, um, maybe on the backside of a low pressure system and that type of thing. And so when we have like this next week coming up, it's supposed to be highs in the 50s and 60s and lows in the 40s. I'm pretty excited about that in October. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Nebraska? I'm going to be optimistic in, for October and say 7 because I tend to have uh, a flurry of grape activity on trail cameras in that August, excuse me, that October 10th uh, time frame, a couple days either side. And with this cold uh, weather coming in for the time of year, I'm really encouraged to be um, optimistic, I guess. All right, Bryce, great info as always. Good luck there in Nebraska, and thanks for joining me. Oh, thank you, Spencer. And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Byron, John, Josh, and Bryce for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. Happy October to everybody out there. Most of the states in the country should now be open, so I hope everybody has some hunting in by the time you hear this podcast. And for more great whitetail intel like this, Make sure you're checking out the meateater.com where you're going to see all kinds of new whitetail content coming out from Mark and I. And follow me, Mark, and Meat Eater on social media to stay up to date with what we're doing this fall. Until next week, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved 
via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.